I can honestly say we watched that movie for the first time last weekend, and uh, it was pretty convicting at the time, because I think sometimes we walk through our lives, for the most part, in a praying aspect, is very much, um, what would I say, careless for a lot of people, or maybe not careless, but just kind of haphazardly or half-heartedly. We don't really spend any time in prayer. Matter of fact, sometimes maybe you're only praying. If, if you were honest, maybe your praying is literally like, hey, I'm going to throw up a prayer and ask for some safe travel. Or maybe your praying revolves around just something you do before mealtime with a family. I don't know what it looks like, but what I've come to con- be convicted of more and more as I read more and more scripture is that the people of God should be people who pray. People who seek God out, people who ask Him to do big things, things that we would never begin to imagine. As you think about even the verse we read earlier, I want to remind you of where we've been. The last four weeks, if you've been here, we've been going through John chapter 17. We're going to wrap up this week, but we're not going to be in John 17. We're going to kind of jump around. I don't do this a lot, uh, but it's one of those things I think we need to look at to see some things from, from Scripture's point of view, see some things from what God really wants to say to us about prayer. But over the last couple of weeks, we talked about how Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, which is called the high priestly prayer. I believe that Jesus, before he went to the garden by himself to pray before he was crucified, I believe he prayed with the disciples. And it's prayed, or this prayer is, is, is recorded here in John chapter 17. Uh, and he's praying with the disciples. He's speaking, but the disciples there, I believe, are hearing his very prayer of what's taking place. And I want you to remember what we said. As we pray, as we go through our prayers, I think there's a a pattern we can see here that we can begin to pray when we're praying, all right, to make sure that our prayers have some meaning, some substance, instead of just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, help me, help me, help me, help me. You get my picture, right? Like my son or my daughters, when they pray, and I love them dearly. I know, it, I, I know the, what Jesus says about kids. I'm not trying to, but it's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us have a good day. Amen. I mean, it's the same thing. Ethan has been praying the same prayer since he was, what, one? I mean, or I say that, when he would, could speak. It's like the same thing. And we've talked till we're blue in the face, like, like pray what's on your heart. Okay. And it's the same thing over and again. I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, he's learning and stuff like that. But, but when we pray, we should pray first for God's glory. John chapter 17, verse 1 through 6, or 1 through 5, laid that out, that God would be glorified in everything we do. And so I said, hey, pick a letter of the alphabet or, or have a name of God from every letter of the alphabet. So when you pray for God's glory, you could pray that God would be almighty, all-knowing, omniscient, all-powerful, that God would be the judge, that God would call me out where I need to be corrected, things like that. I want you to think about that. He's the alpha and the omega. Those are things. So pick a letter of the alphabet and, and do that when you pray. The next thing we said was to really focus on ourselves because Jesus then prays for his disciples. And as he prays for his disciples, he literally is praying for their obedience all right? He's praying that they would carry out the mission that he gave them. He's praying for protection. Remember, he's, he prays for them. He says, hey, look, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. And a lot of times our prayers are like, God, get me out of this hellhole. You know, get me away from this job. Get me away from these people when the very prayer should be this. God, just protect me from the evil one. Why? Because my influence and impact matters to the people in the community who've never responded. And so we pray with prayers like this. We pray to understand the full joy of Christ. 
Remember what he says, I, I pray that they would have the full measure of my joy. Not a part, not a half, not a third, not a tenth, but the full measure of my joy. So he prays those things specifically. And then his prayer turns at the end, and we looked at last week, his prayer turns not just for the disciples, but his prayer turns to the people who would believe through the message that the disciples bring. In other words, those people who would respond to the gospel. And he says, I pray for their unity, that those who are in the church that take the gospel out would be unified with those who begin and start that process and believe the gospel, that they would be one together. Why? Because that reflects the very unity between the Father and the Son. And I want you to get that picture because a unified church reflects the glory of God. A disunified or a church that is stuck in disunity does not reflect the glory of God. And so what he lays that out is that picture that we understand that unity is primary, that we are unified around the purpose and the mission that God gave us. And then he goes in and he says he desires our holiness, that we would be sanctified, set apart. Keep that in mind, all right? That we are set apart. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to be in the world, but not do the same things as the world. And so there's this beautiful picture that Jesus is laying out that we do this. And so Jesus prays this prayer, and then he goes on, and he prays in the garden. And then after the garden, you'll remember he's betrayed by Judas, and then he's led to the cross where he's crucified, and then later rises again. And I want you to think about this, because prayer is something I believe that we oftentimes don't tap into. We don't get the full potential. We don't have the full measure of God's joy because we don't pray with very specific prayers or very big prayers. As a matter of fact, there was this guy named Martin Luther. Some of you may know, and I'm not talking about King. Martin Luther was a 16th century German theologian who says this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be, than to be alive without breathing. And so if you're a Christian who's not praying, I just want to say, why? You should understand that the very thing that God has given us to be our mission is the very reason we should be praying. Because you can't accomplish it on your own. There is nothing in man's ability that can do anything to save somebody. I hope you get that big picture. But I want you to know this, and this is the key point. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that we want to dream big dreams, and pray big prayers because we serve a big God who can accomplish the impossible. And I want to challenge you with this because sometimes our dreams are completely opposite from our prayers. Like we're like, man, I got this great vision. I got this great idea. I got this great thought. I'm going I'm to do these great things. And then our prayers are so small. And so what at times I would say insignificant because we don't think big. And so I want you to think about this. What is it that God has called you to do? Whether it's in your family, in your community, in your job. Maybe it's something you haven't even began to attempt because you've let something overwhelm you. You've let fear keep you back. You've let something stop you from doing that. And I want, you to, I want to ask you that because I really believe this. Soren Kierkegaard even says this. Prayer doesn't change God, but it changes him who prays. And a lot of times our prayer life reflects the very nature of who we are or what we accomplish because we just pray small things. We don't pray and ask God to move mountains. We bring up these little pebbles 
that we can move on our own, and we do it without God. We don't pray and ask God to do the impossible. We pray and ask God to help us do what we could do on our own. And what I wanted, I want to challenge us wholeheartedly as a church, as people, to be people who will dream big dreams, dreams that God put on your heart, maybe from the get-go, maybe it was something as a teenager you felt God calling you to do and you haven't ever done because life got in the way. And we stop dreaming big dreams because we stop praying big prayers. You know, the one thing I'll say about this is oftentimes I hear kids pray, and maybe we joke around about it, but sometimes we're like, oh, they're just naive enough to realize that that's not, impo- or that's not possible. You know what I'm talking about? Some kid prays a prayer, and you're like, oh, that's a great prayer. But you know it'll never happen. I mean, is that, is that how sometimes you approach your prayer life? Or maybe you hear somebody pray, just like that video there in War Room. And you hear this prayer, and you're like, man, that was an awesome prayer. But it'll never happen. Do you have that attitude? Do you have that mentality? Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody's kind of looking at me like, what? All right. Do you understand what I'm getting to? Because the reality is this. In order to accomplish big things for God, we have to already be praying big things to God because God accomplishes big things in and through us when we pray big prayers. When we ask him to to do what's impossible, to do what's not already accomplished. And so remember that. We want to dream big dreams and pray big prayers because we serve a big God who can accomplish the impossible. So when you look at things and you think, well, that's impossible, you have to begin to understand that God says, yeah, with man, there's a lot of things that are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And so the question is this, well, what do we do then? That's the question. What do we do? And I think there's very simple. I'm going to focus on three things. We're going to be flying all over the Bible, so you got to sit down, hold on. If you take notes, write these down. You can go back and look them up. But I think it's very simple, and it's going to be something we're going to focus on. Matter of fact, I did this a couple years ago. I brought up to our small group, uh, or our life group, uh, and I did this a couple years ago at our church when I was a youth pastor. Matter of fact, it was probably about 2007, so about 10 years ago. Uh, not a couple. Start to date yourself when you're like, holy cow. Um, but I challenged our adult leaders at the time to dream big, to pray hard, and to trust God. To dream big, to pray hard, and to trust God. Because I believe a lot of times our dreams are so small that we can accomplish them on our own. Because we don't let God just run wild. We don't let God challenge us. We don't let God lay visions on our heart and dreams on our heart to accomplish. We just go, man, what's easy? What can I do? What can I accomplish on my own? If I just work hard enough, what can I do? And so the thing I want to say is this. What do we need to do? I think we need to, one, dream big. And I say this, that God plants dreams or, or visions in your life for a reason. Now, I want to be very clear, because not every dream and not every vision is from God, all right? Some people, we just have this idea. Matter of fact, my wife tells me I need about 10 lives for everything I want to do. I'm like, oh, I would love to do that. And she goes, yeah, with what time? And I'm like, oh, I would, oh, I should do that. With what time? Every time, she just looks at me, and she's like, you need 10 lives. You're like, you, you ain't got enough time for everything you want to do. It's like, I want to pastor, and then I'm like, I want to do this. And I want, man, I should have coached baseball and been a teacher. And then I'm like, oh, I should have done this. And she just looks at me like with this stare of like, you ain't got time to do all that. <laughs> right? I mean, 
I was joking around the other day, and my cousin texted me and asked something about how I'm doing. I said, I'm real busy. And he said something back, and I said, I need a clone. And all I could think was the movie Multiplicity. If you've ever seen Multiplicity, you know what I'm talking about. But, but uh, it, it's just one of those things. And God plans dreams or visions in your life for a reason. And you have to begin to understand that I think some of those things are God's way of showing how big he is. Because he might plant a dream or a vision in your heart where you look at it and you go, that'll never happen. There is no way I can do that. How in the heck can I do that? And I think that's the point. God wants us to pray such big prayers and have such big dreams that we can sit back and go, there is no way I could accomplish that apart from God working in my life. I mean, all you got to do is look at people around the world who have accomplished great things. And they would honestly tell you, there's no way my dreams could ever have been carried out on my own. Dreaming big dreams is something that I think we all have to understand. And our desire should be to dream a dream so big that the only logical explanation would be that God accomplished it. Because the dream happened for that reason. See, I believe the size of your God should determine the size of your goal. And you haven't really believed God until you've attempted something that can't be done in the power of the flesh. So dream a big dream. And I would even say that as a church, as a a corporate body, what do we dream? What do we envision? What do we hope to see? What's the point that God wants to do? What does God want to do in and through the Church of Three Trails? What could he accomplish with a faithful few that are obedient to what he's called you to do? Who knows? Who knows what could happen? And I talk about this consistently, especially if you've been here a lot, you're going to hear me talk about the state of disrepair of many churches within the city of Independence. It's not all churches. But I'm going to speak even firsthand from the Southern Baptist churches in this state, in this city right here. You realize that a lot of them are struggling. I mean, many of them are looking at closing doors. Are we dreaming big dreams or are we just trying to keep something open? I want to challenge you with this, that we would dream big dreams, that God could accomplish things. And I even laid this out. I remember coming and talking to you and I I talked about the vision and I said, man, you know, somebody said, oh, I can't wait to see this place packed. Look, I completely agree. But I remember telling them and I said, you know, when we grow, we're going to ask people to leave. And they're like, what? And what I mean is this. God accomplishes more when the church works together. And when we ask people to leave, we're not asking people to leave because we don't like them or because they're just a problem. What we want to do is pray and ask God to raise up leaders within the church who are going to be able to step out into other churches that may be struggling, maybe to plant churches, maybe to help other churches grow, and to be an influence and impact. So our goal is not to build some massive kingdom of a church of four, five, six hundred, a thousand. That's not the goal here. All right. Our goal is to grow, yes, but our goal is to multiply ourselves, to reach out, to spread the gospel, to see the city of independence, the state of Missouri, the United States, and around the world be transformed by the gospel. That's the point. Not to build a kingdom, not to have people go, hey, you know, Brian Grout, he's the pastor of that church. It's running like 500 now. That's not the goal. That's not my goal at all. Look, if it happens, it happens. But we're going to specifically target and pray, and raise up leaders so that, listen, they'll leave in a good way. 
in a mission sending way, in a multiplication way. So the churches in independence, churches in the state of Missouri, churches around the United States or churches around the world would have an impact where they're at. So God may be calling you when you think about dreaming big to do something big. You know, maybe down the road it's to pastor a church. Maybe down the road it's to be a missionary overseas. Maybe down the road it's, hey, I'm going to go and get a job as a teacher so that I can be a light for the gospel in the school. So dream big dreams. And I want you to think about this. A dream doesn't drive you. A dream should draw you. And think about it like this. A dream should be like a big magnet. And that magnet is literally God drawing you to himself because you can't accomplish that dream without him. The dream doesn't drive you. The dream should draw you closer to God because God laid that dream upon your heart. God may be calling you in a direction and God says, I want you to dream big. Why? When I dream big, the only explanation would be that God did an amazing work in my life, in my family, in my city, in my community, whatever that is. That we would dream big dreams. Why? Because that's what God called. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? I mean, he's literally laying that question out. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? And I think sometimes we approach God with a very small way. Matter of fact, I, I am sometimes guilty of this. I'll be like, well, that thing's so small, I shouldn't pray about it. And Corey Ten Boom says this, any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. And so you may be that person who says, you know, well, that's just something that I shouldn't be too worried about or I shouldn't have to pray about it. But the challenge is this, if it's a burden, you should pray about it. And I think sometimes God puts a burden, a dream, or a vision on our heart that we're supposed to be praying about that we don't. And a lot of times we don't because we're afraid that God may call us to do something that puts us out of our comfort zone. So we dream big dreams. Why? Because God is a God who can accomplish the impossible. Number two, I believe, is this, that we pray hard. I'm not talking about throwing up a couple prayers here and there, but I'm talking about seeking God in prayer. See, when we pray, we are surrendering our needs, our desires, our worries, our emotions, our thoughts, and our dreams over to God. Did you get that picture again? Remember what I said, I want you to dream big, but when we pray, we surrender our needs, our desires, our worries, our emotions, our thoughts, and our dreams over to God. So when I dream big, I am surrendering those dreams over to God when I pray. Why? Because God is the only one who's going to be able to accomplish them in and through me. He's the one who carries it out. There's a guy named Samuel Chadwick. He wrote a book, a number of books. You can go home and look, at, look him up if you want to. But he says this, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. And I want you to think about this because I think this is the truth. Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. You ever thought about that? I mean, I even think about what she just prayed, that you would rise, raise them up, that you would raise up people who would fall to their knees in prayer. When we pray hard, we are able to accomplish more. Why? Not because of what we do, because what God can do. Listen to Proverbs 15. The prayer of the upright 
pleases him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, be joyful always and pray continually. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your righteousness, or sorry, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the, pray, or in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you get what he's saying? Pray continually. That he listens to our prayers. The prayer of the upright pleases him. But then he says, don't let anything bother you. Present every prayer and petition to God. Don't let it bother you. Why? Because the peace of God, when you pray about it, the peace of God will guard your hearts. It will overcome everything. It, understand, it overcomes all your understanding or your lack of understanding in dreaming big dreams. So I dream big and I pray hard. See, God works all throughout Scripture. God works in our weakness. Does He not? Every person within the Bible had a weakness. Everyone. And God continues to do that. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You get that picture, right? This picture is this, that God chose the very things that people look as foolish and dumb to show the people the power of the gospel. Christ on the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are alive, those who are in Christ, it is the very wisdom of God. So when we pray hard, when we pray hard over the dreams that God gives us, He can accomplish those very dreams. See, God works in our weakness, and He can't resist those who desperately and humbly seek Him out in prayer. If you want God's blessing on your life this year, then you've got to dare to ask for it. God, what's your dream for my life? And once I identify, God, what's that dream? What's that vision? I have got to pray for it consistently, day in and day out, that I could be the man, the husband, the father, the spiritual leader that I'm supposed to be in the home, that my kids will be obedient, that we'll love God no matter what, no matter what they face. Let God expand that vision as you pray to Him. Why? Because that dream, that vision that He placed on your heart is huge. And he placed it on your heart for a reason. Because he wants you to do something. He wants you to accomplish it. And so we pray hard for that. We seek him day in and day out. And then the last thing, we talked about dream big. I want you to pray hard. I want you to trust God. Ephesians chapter 3, and that's really where I wanted to camp out or finish up. But I want you to think about this. And I haven't talked about it right there before the offering, but think about this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, you get that, get the picture, immeasurably more than we, than all we ask or imagine. You get that? You get, get the blessing idea that God's trying to pour out? He will do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. When you seek him out in prayer, you trust God that he's going to answer those prayers. When I seek him I'm going to seek him with all my heart. When I pray, I'm going to pray with all my heart. I've got to believe with all my heart that's what's going to happen. But listen, he says and lays this out. I can do immeasurably more. 
you're not going to be able to measure the very substance with which what I can do in your life. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I want you to get this idea very clearly because when we ask, we ask in prayer. We present our petitions, just as we talked about there earlier, out of Philippians. When we ask, we're petitioning God. And he says, I will do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. But it has to start with prayer. It has to start with me seeking God day in and day out. So whether that's a revitalization of a marriage, a broken home, whether it's that you want to see God work in our community, whether you're praying for lost people who you have a relationship with at work, whatever that is, God says, if you will pray, if you will seek me, if you will ask me, when you petition me, I will do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. But listen to this, and this is why. I will do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. And here's why. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You get this picture is that God's glory is first and foremost in everything. So when we went to John chapter 17, Jesus begins this prayer and he says, pray for the glory of God. And he's wrapping up at the end by praying for the glory of God. But Paul lays this out here in Ephesians that we pray for the glory of God. So when we dream big and we pray hard, we trust God that God will accomplish immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you some verses. We're going to wrap up with these, but I want to give you these because I want you to understand that our lives will only be as successful as our prayers take us. John chapter 14, and I want you to keep in mind, all of these are going to be from John, which were previous to John 17, but listen to John 14 verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John chapter 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do all things. And that all dreams, all the dreams and visions that God lays on my heart are things that we can accomplish in and through him, through the power of the son, we can accomplish that through the power of the spirit. We can do that. The power and energy and creativity needed to fulfill our dreams comes from Jesus. John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. John chapter 16, in that day you will not question me about anything. But I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Do you get the picture of what he's saying? He's basically saying, if you will ask me, I will answer with immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. So when we dream, when you think about what God wants to accomplish in your life, do you dream big or do you dream small? Do you pray and ask God to give you the strength, the ability to accomplish those dreams? Or do you pray and ask God, God, just get me through this day? Because sometimes, and look, I know every now and then we need one of those prayers, right? I mean, everybody has bad days, all right? But sometimes we need to pray bigger prayers. And then the last thing we've got to do, we've got to remember this, is that we trust God immeasurably more 
In other words, we trust Him for the answer. We trust Him for the final outcome. We trust Him for what's going to happen as a result of our prayers. Ronnie Floyd, as a matter of fact, our, our life group is starting this book called The Power of Prayer and Fasting. And I read this quote and I just wanted to read it to wrap up. But I want you to think about this. Surrendering to God is abandoning all that we have to receive all that God possesses. It is not the skills, talents, and gifts that God places in our hands that matter. It's the full, complete, unequivocal surrender of those meager abilities to Him that He uses to do great things in our lives. I hope you see and understand exactly what that is. Surrendering to God is abandoning all that we have and knowing that He can do immeasurably more in and through us when we allow Him to do it than if we try and do it on our own with our own abilities. I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to do some great things individually in people's lives. I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to do great things in our city. And I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to do great things around the world. The question is this. Are we willing to dream big dreams? To pray big prayers? To pray hard? Or do you want to walk through the motions? Because I believe wholeheartedly that we are a people not just here in our church, but around the world, we are a people who like to walk through the motions to barely slide by. It's a ju- that's, that's good enough mentality instead of desiring God's best. God's best for our family. God's best for our city. God's best in our job. God's best for our nation. I don't know about you, I don't want to slide by. Sliding by has got nobody anywhere, right? I mean, at least last I checked. You want to slide by, you can slide by. United States is a land of opportunity. It's also a land of sliders. And I don't make that sound bad. It's not everybody, but we do. Don't we? We become callous, we become careless, and we start to just kind of float through life. Just get by. If I just get by, we're good. Matter of fact, in college, we called it D is for diploma. Anybody ever remember that? The college people used to say that. D is for diploma. (laughs) And I used to look and go, that's not me, bro. (laughs) That's not good enough. Don't slide by. Dream big. Pray hard. And trust God. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, we're going to have the team come up. And we're going to do the Lord's Supper. And here's our challenge. Here's, Here's my biggest thing. If you... You don't have to be a member of our church to do the Lord's Supper. What we ask is that you have committed your life to Christ, that you have put your faith in Jesus at some point, that you have followed Him in baptism, just saying, hey, that's an outward sign of an inward commitment of what we've done. And so anybody's invited that if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross uh, for your sins, you believe He rose again, defeating sin, defeating death, offering you life and life more abundantly, we invite you to take part in this. This is remembering The body and blood of Jesus Christ, the body that was broken for my sins, the blood that was shed to wash away my sins. And so we want to invite you to be a part of it. As you come up, there are two cups, so make sure you grab both cups. There is one with the cracker underneath and one with the juice. And so we're going to invite you up. You can come up after I pray as you led. Don't take it yet. You can head back to your seat, uh, and then we'll take it together 
as you do. So let's pray, and then we'll continue on. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are a God that accomplishes what we may feel is impossible. It is overwhelming, and it's something that, God, we could honestly look at and be worried and fearful of. But, Father, we also know that you are the one who can accomplish great things, immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And so, God, I pray that we would be people who would seek out your face. And as we seek out your face, we would ask you to put on our heart that vision or that dream or those dreams that you may have for us to carry out, for us to accomplish. God, knowing that each dream may be an individual's dream, but God, that you want to work in a mighty way. And so, Father, today we pray that we would dream big, we would pray hard, that we would seek your face, and that we would trust you for the outcome of each and everything that we do. God, knowing that sometimes we may fail, but God, with you, all things are possible. And so as we go into this time, God, as we remember your sending of your son, his death, burial, and resurrection, God, may we examine our lives, confess any sin, if we have any problems with anybody, that we would go to them and ask for forgiveness to make things right and to take this in a righteous and worthy manner. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.